everyone, and welcome to Dark Matter, the podcast where we take your favourite works of dark fiction and crack open their skulls to feast upon their brains. Um, and I, as you have, will have seen by now, if you're watching the video version, you won't have seen if you're listening to the podcast version. Uh, I am joined, honoured, delighted to be joined today by Brian O'Gorman. Hello, Brian. Oh, hello, John. Thanks for having me on. Uh, my pleasure. My absolute pleasure. Brian is a, a, a fellow dark fiction writer and I would venture to suggest enthusiast, um, author Absolutely. of va- various ace books. Uh, <laughs> but, but maybe I'll shut up and let you introduce yourself, if that's okay. Well, if we're talking about the uh, the books, then yeah, the most, I'm most famous for a book called Dawn of the Spiders, which um, was only the, the second book I ever wrote and uh, it, it became something of a success which was a complete surprise to me. Brilliant. Um, I, I hadn't even entertained the idea of being a writer until um, I had to give up work to care for my wife, who has some disabilities and problems. So, And I just found myself at a loose end. And so once I was sort of at home and with not very much to do, I thought, well, I used to write short stories just for a bit of fun. And um, Brilliant. I'll, I'll just I'll pick it up again and see what happens. That's, I wrote be, this. Go on. No, sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say you'll be pleased to hear that I was on. I, I joined, you know, like a virtual launch thing for someone else's book yeah. um, yesterday, and I mentioned. Um, so this is a bit of a friend of a friend connection, but um, you, one of the people who was attending, you'd spoken to them recently, I think, as, as you know, like an interview thing, and I was like, oh, I'm speaking to Brian tomorrow. And then someone else who was on the call said, oh, is that the Dawn of the Spiders guy? So it, <laughs> that's great, isn't it? You are known, yeah. totally known as the Dawn of the Spiders guy. Exactly, yeah. And Well, that, that's how it sort of came about. I just wrote some stories. I wrote one called Pharmacon, which was a story about a serial killer. Um, it was only like 60,000 words long because, you know, I wasn't sort of, I hadn't found my feet yet. And um, so I, I ended up putting that out on Kindle Direct Publishing, which was sort of the only avenue really that I knew how to get things published and it sold like seven copies families and friends bought it and then well, aren't, you, aren't you clever sort of thing and I just carried on writing and I'd seen this um, uh, story on the, the internet about uh, there's a spider in the, the corner of this room someone had taken a picture of it and they said that they'd photographed this in Manchester which is up the road from where I live and it was like oh that's a bit scary it was a big horrendous looking thing but it turned out to be fake. Uh, um, it okay, turned out okay. to be a giant huntsman spider in New Zealand. And there, the, the, the leg span on those things, the same size as a dinner plate. So that the, you can get an idea of how big geez. they are. That you get the, the um, ones, you often hear this, and again, this is one of those, you know, when you feel like something's doing the rounds, it's like a, a repeated rumour that keeps doing the rounds. And it's always like, yeah. oh, a giant spider crawled out of a bunch of bananas and you know, attacked <laughs> me. And I'm always like, is yeah. that? I'm sure that happens once every few years and it's probably yeah. bollocks. But... Just, yeah, but, but it was just that idea that it was bollocks. But what if it was real? Yeah. And so I started writing a story about it. And uh, I originally entitled it The Spiders of Manchester. And then yeah. much later on, with my love of George Romero, who we're going to talk about in a bit, um, I renamed it Dawn of the Spiders. And I just thought, well, that's a quite a catchy title. Um, it is. I concur just... completely. <laughs> and then it, it was literally an overnight thing. It didn't do anything for ages. And then one day I got up and checked my sales figures. And it sold... Like, you know, 
several hundred copies and you know a very short space of time and then it just kept going and going and going so it, it was like well there you go so I'm a writer now. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Because we all suffer from massive like imposter syndrome, don't we? And it's all like, oh, oh at course. what point am I a real writer? And you definitely are. Well, you're a real writer as soon as you write anything, but you're even exactly. more of a real writer when you've sold loads of copies of it and it's an age yeah. book. So that's yeah. fantastic. And, and yeah. of course, as, as you mentioned, the kind of um, Ramiro movie nomenclature inspiration, which we'll come on to. But yeah, you've also got a day of, a day of the spiders as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Day of the Spiders was, I knew I had to write, try and, I wanted to sort of prove that it wasn't a fluke. I think that's what it was. And I just, I, so I started penning a, a sequel that was bigger. And, and I had that mentality of, you know, a sequel has to be bigger and more spectacular than the original. So I was thinking along the lines of, you know, like Terminator, Terminator yeah, 2. Alien to Aliens. Yeah, aliens, oh. yeah, yeah. So it's that kind of mentality. So I took a whole year to write this sequel. And it did just as well as the first one. So I was uh, rather pleased with that. And just Brilliant. recently, I finished writing the third one, which is uh, called Night of the Spiders, funnily okay. enough. Excellent. <laughs> oh, yeah, so you've, that, gone in a, you've gone in a different order from Ramiro, yeah, I guess, but that's, yeah. that's fine. And then as we'll come on to, he sort of, that, that whole thing of like night, dawn, day, yeah. He kind of ran out of steam, didn't he, and started to pick some quite weird alternative titles. But that's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I'm going to try and get that out by. I'm, I'm hoping to get it out on Halloween this year. Oh, so, yeah, that'd be per perfect. That, that'll close the door on that, and then I can get on writing some other stuff as well. Oh, well, we'll, we'll come back hopefully <laughs> to some of your, you know, the inspiration yeah. and some of your works in a little bit, if, uh, if that's Absolutely, okay. yes. Yes, um, but as we've as we've given a tantalising glimpse there of what the show, what this episode <laughs> is about, of course, the, the you know the way the show works is people rock up. Sometimes it's co-host Liam. Sometimes it is a randomly invited guest, such as your good self, um, and they pitch a dark fiction topic, be it a movie or a franchise or a book or a fairground ride, whatever they want to pitch as long as it can vaguely, loosely be justified, argued to be dark fiction. Um, and I decide whether, based on their pitch, it is worthy of a place in the hallowed halls of the Hall of Pain, uh, which is a bit like Room 101, but I'm yeah. a lot less um, picky than, the, you know, <laughs> Nick Hancock or Paul Mertens. And uh, yeah. I think everything that's ever been pitched has got in. So uh, please yeah. don't worry about, um, <laughs> don't want to create a stressful <laughs> moment later. This is highly likely to get in because, of course, we are talking about George A. Romero and his, what would you call the franchise? The Of the Dead franchise. Do they call it the Living Dead franchise? Nice. Which um, makes sense. Yeah just based on the, the first film, which was Night of the Living Dead. Which I watched um, today, just as yes. a bit of research, just re-watched re it. But yeah, you, you, you're quite right. You've got just to quickly skate over the kind of what, what is sort of canonically in. You've got, um, I think I'm right to say six movies. There's Night of the Living Dead, which came out in 1968. So just yep. the, the longevity of this is, is kind of incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dawn of the Dead, 1978. Okay. Day of the Dead is 1985. Then we're into the slightly weird naming uh, stuff. <laughs> then you've got Land of the Dead <laughs> in 2005, yes. Diary of the Dead in 2007, yep. and then a movie I've seen those admittedly quite a while ago. One I haven't seen until last night is Survival of the Dead, yep. which 
I can't work out if that's sort of a clever pun or just a bit of a crap title. I'm not sure. <laughs> and then I'm, I think we, it's like you say, he ran out of um, parts of the day to yeah, name it after. <laughs> e- evening of the day, <laughs> kind of afternoon of the day. It doesn't quite work. And then apparently, an hour after tea of the dead. Yeah, it's, it's like elevenses of the dead. So it doesn't. Yeah, it sort of ran out of. It only works for a trilogy. Um, and then apparently there's an upcoming movie called Road of the Dead, but I don't know if the fact that George Romero has sadly passed away is means that's been kind of shelved or, or not, but we'll see. We will see. Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of rumours about saying that there's going to be another one. Um, I did see a post by his son, but this is going back about a year ago or so um, of a film called Rise of the Living Dead. Um, mm. But whether anything's going to come of that, I don't know. But um, no, we we will we will see. And and it's probably yeah. m- maybe as a place to start. Um, he invented zombie films, didn't he? The, Night of the Living Dead. That before that, there was no such thing as zombies. That you know, there's a Haitian folklore myth yeah. that is you know with loose inspiration. But the the I can you imagine a world where the concept of a zombie film wasn't a thing? It, yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I know. And it, it was a weird thing because I didn't see Night of the Living Dead until the sort of late 1980s, I think it was. And it was because of a, a TV show called uh, The Incredibly Strange Film Show, which was presented by Jonathan Ross. Mm-hmm. And it used to be on, on like a, a Saturday night, I think it was. And he would spotlight certain directors that um, weren't necessarily popular, but uh, directors like um, Russ Meyer or Sam Raimi, and he'd do okay. a different director every week. So that's how I learned about George Romero. And normally, once he'd um, done, they'd showed one of these programs, they would show a film by that director. So when they did George Romero, they showed Night of the Living Dead, and it was like the first time I'd seen it. And I thought, oh, it's an old black and white film. It's not going to be that scary. Yeah. And it frightened me after death. It's great. It's, it's like, like it still holds up now if you watch it. Like yeah. I know, obviously, oh, I it's kind of dated in many ways. The effects, obviously, are not. It's not a wash with fantastic CGI. It was made on this yeah. tiny budget, but it, yeah. you know, there's a bit where the zombies are literally like eating someone's guts, and, yeah. and I guess they just bought I don't know bought some liver from the butcher shop and just had the had the ex, had the extras just yeah. eat the raw meat. But it looks yeah. pretty blooming convincing. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's exactly what they did. They they just got a. Uh, bits of chicken and sort of added prosthetic hands to it and stuff like that and so they could just tear bits off but yeah that's exactly what they did and so when I first saw this I was completely blown away by it and then I discovered that there was more of them because of the the, the documentary I'd seen so I had to try and seek out a copy of Dawn of the Dead now I'm not going to make any bones about this Dawn of the Dead is my favourite film ever because, well, that's yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> hence, hence the reason you're pitching this topic, I guess. But, exactly. And, and exactly. it's a, I watched that earlier in the week, so I have, I've sort of rewatched the three original ones mm. in, in the yeah. last few days, just building up to this. And yeah, it's yeah. it's it's ace in it. It's so yeah. good. Well, the, the the thing about it was that back in those days, there were the um, release that was uh, brought out in this country here in the UK was very very heavily cut. So most of the gore and nastiness was all missing from it. Ugh. So I had to um, do some uh, investigating on how to get a uncut copy of this. And I finally managed to do it about four or five years later. Um, I went to one of these sort of uh, 
horror festivals, which I used to go to quite a lot. And that we went to an all night um, zombie fest thing where they showed all of the Romero films plus Return of the Living Dead. And then it, it ended with the uh, UK premiere of the Tom Savini remake of Night of the Living Dead. Which I haven't which was, seen to my shame. I don't know if that's if you would recommend that or not. But uh... Uh, It's not as good as the original. Yeah, okay. It has its moments, but it's like... Apparently Tom Savini said it should have been a much more gory and violent film but he had yeah, problems okay. with the studio making cuts to it and all this so, ah. um, and when I saw it at that UK premiere they actually showed the reels in the wrong order so which didn't help so that's a, that's a blunder isn't it? it's, it's a funny one like Tom Savini I've no idea you know I know nothing about Tom Savini other than he's the famous special effects guy and he's yeah. you know sex machine in from dust till dawn where he's yeah, got that yeah. you know gun yeah. gun penis but, so, but for some reason, based solely on those few facts, I've got in my head like, oh, I really like Tom Savini. He's a really yeah. cool guy. So I'm kind of rooting for his, you know, like anything he's made, I want it to be yeah. really good. But I don't know why I have this view of him, but I do. Because <laughs> he's just one of the boys, you know, that was he's, part yeah. of era, you know. So I managed to get, whilst I was at this horror festival, a copy of The Exorcist, which you couldn't see in this country, and a uncut copy of Dawn of the Dead with Japanese subtitles. Mm. And when I watched this uncut version, it was like a whole other film. You know, it was like, this is, it was, it went from being really good to just phenomenal. Yes. Now, when I watched it back in those days, I was interested in the blood and the guts and, you know, and the the tearing of uh, bodily orifices and things like that. Um, but as I've got older and I watch that film, every time I watch it, it seems to have more and more layers to it. And it's like really quite subtle at first. But once you start peeling it back, like if you look at the opening sequence of it, where they're in a television studio and they're, they're talking to this scientist who's com- trying to convince people that all their loved ones who die are going to start getting up and eating people. And people are going, Bleh. You're talking rubbish. We're not giving up our dead bodies and there and all this stuff. And I was just watching it, considering the situation we're in now. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, wow, Romero got this absolutely pitch perfect. Yeah, the way people would react he, to. Yeah, he knew that people wouldn't be wanting to give up their dead bodies for orderly extermination. And it's like, Wow, and the, that's really deep. <laughs> and there'd be conspiracy theories about oh, you can't trust the scientists and all that kind of stuff. That's which it, is yeah. all of which we're seeing now in the you know in the kind of pandemic with all the anti-vaccine stuff and, and yeah, whatever. Yeah. You can, and there's, there's, I remember people sort of saying as well, um, Dawn of the Dead, where they end up in the shopping mall, they're kind of holed up in the shopping mall, which is you know zombies wandering about inside, going up the escalators, falling over, going back, and they're sort of carrying out these like remnant shadow sort of vestiges of their former human behavior they don't yeah. they, they, although they are you know mindless cannibal eating machines they still also yeah. knock about around the shops yeah. <laughs> and it's like it's sort of like a parody of like sort of stupid sheep like consumer culture which yeah is, exactly which is good yeah exactly and, and and it was it's these layers that if you watch the film a few times to, you sort of start peeling these layers away and it's like okay so they shut all the zombies out of the shopping center but then it's like well what do you do after that once you've made yourself safe what do you do 
And they're yeah. just sort of wandering around covered in expensive jewellery, bored out of their minds, you know. Yeah, gambling. With, yeah. They've got that money <laughs> worth money that's now worthless and they're like playing poker, aren't they, for all these yeah. like thousands of dollars and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I just think it was it was so well observed that the 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 consequences of you know sort of taking control of all this consumer paradise and it's like okay well you're locked in it so what else do you do then they've got no purpose anymore they just yeah. sort of sit around eating all the food and dressing up in nice fancy coats which i guess is what we'd all in, in, on, a, on a sort of simple level in your head that would almost seem like a utopia you know like a paradise like oh no job to do free stuff yeah. brilliant but yeah but yeah. i mean it's it, you you can draw a sort of parallel line between that and um H.G. Wells is the time machine with the Eloys who just lounge around in the sun yeah. all day. And one of them falls into the river, but they can't be bothered to get up and save them because they're just like, we're too busy relaxing. Yeah. So it's like, it's that similar sort of um, thing. It's like utopia. Yeah, you want utopia, but then what? Yeah, it's like the horror, of, <laughs> the, the, the horror of being pampered and having no, having no work to be done. No, well, no yeah, reason just, to. Yeah, just having no purpose. There's no, well, there's no point in you anymore. It's yeah. like, you know, when people say, when I retire, I'm going to go to a, I'm going to go and, and live in the Caribbean and sit on the beach and drink cocktails. It's like, great. But after three days, you're going to be bored. You're bored, bored out of your mind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I completely agree. And, and then you're into like, well, you may as well just become a zombie that, you know, have, have you already? There's, there's, there's loads of things I, I want to um, sort of pick up with you. One point maybe on the sort of, um, uh, one of the, what's the word? I guess one of the kind of progressive elements of those first couple of films is they've both got a black guy as the main protagonist and the main yes, hero, which is quite a big deal, I guess, in the 60s and 70s. Well, um, it would have been, but um, Romero's explanation for that when he was asked, he just said, well, um, I've forgotten the actor's name. Now. Is it Dwayne something in that? Oh, it's, uh, it, oh I even uh, checked this. Dwayne Jones. That's Dwayne, Jones, Dwayne Jones, that's it. All they said about that was he was just the best best actor out of all our friends. They didn't even consider his skin color. <laughs> it, which, in some ways, is even more commendable, isn't it? Like there was no yeah. element of was, trying yeah. to make a point, or they weren't no, picking him just, to make some racial kind of. It was exactly, literally just yeah. he's a good actor. Let's have him then. He's the best actor that we had, and they did it again for Dawn of the Dead. So, so there was a bit of a similarity, yeah, um, between the two films. You see, it's just that's the way it it happened it wasn't sort of making a big statement about it it was he they were just the best actors for the job and it's like well there you go and it's just that now when we look back on it you know you see what a, a big thing it actually was but you know it was just not thought of that way at the time it's just but then it's like everything with you know George Romero he sort of he had this sort of long-term vision for everything even though he probably didn't realize it you know there was the sign of a genius, you know. The the, the guy in the um, the sort of the, the star of Dawn of the Dead is a guy called Ken. I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing his Ken correctly. Forey, Ken, yeah. Ken Forey. He yeah. ended up. I think he was. I can't remember which one of them was. He played Keenan or Kel's dad in Keenan and Kel. <laughs> so you know when you're watching it, I'm like, where do I know him from? I know this guy. Why does he look so familiar? And then I found it. It's like, all oh, right, that's where. Yeah. But, he also had a cameo in uh, Zack Snyder's remake of Dawn of the Dead. So, oh, yeah. so that's a, a good segue, I guess, into something yeah, I did want to ask segue, you. Yes. How do you feel about the remake of Dawn of the Dead? Did you like it or not so much? Um, a film by any other name. I think that's my thing. Hmm. If, if they'd have called it something else other than Dawn of the Dead, I'd have probably been more on board with it. 
The only yeah. thing, I think the problem with the remake is it doesn't hit the same notes as the original, which you know is probably a bit of an unfair comparison. I'm not saying I don't like it, um, but when people say oh, yes, it's better than the original. I sort of gnash my teeth and go, yeah. well, you've obviously missed the point. Yeah. I think they're two different films. You know, one's got slow-moving zombies and it's more of a, a a focus on the effect that it has on the on the people that are sort of shutting themselves away from the world. Hmm. And whereas um, Zack Snyder's film is more of an action horror sort of thing. So I liked it. I just didn't like yeah. the comparisons between the two because I, th- I think the two different. I, I think I, I think that's a good. I I, I haven't rewatched it for ages, but I, when I first saw the Dawn of the Dead remake, let's I don't know whenever it was ten years ago or something, I I didn't like it, and I think I think there was an element of like it was just a bit. There's a it's a bit gratuitous, but it's hard to explain why when gratuitous. So so there's loads of gratuitous gore in all the certainly from when Tom Savini got on board with the special effects yeah. and literally like pulling people in <laughs> half. And it, but it, it's hard to explain. There's like gratuitous good and gratuitous bad. I thought the bit with like the baby, you know, the zombie yeah. baby was just a bit like, I'm not yeah. a fan really. And I, I agree with you. You're right. That's a really good way to think of it. It's, it's, it's probably an okay zombie film, but why badge it as a remake of the original, yeah. you know, a classic when they yeah. make quite a lot of decisions where it's just completely different. Like you say, even the fast... I do remember thinking the fast zombies were terrifying, but yeah. that's that kind of undermines the all. That's not the canonically established nature of the Ramiro zombie, if you see what I mean. Yeah, it's it's like um, that. I think with Snyder's film, it's like they were trying to make the zombies more sort of front and center, mm. and it's kind of like really in Dawn of the Dead, the original. It's like the zombies almost become a background for the. Sort of, sense of the people locked in the uh, shopping center, plus the motorcycle gang on the outside that are coming to invade. They're yes. actually more of a threat than the zombies are. Whereas in Snyder's film, the zombies are the main threat, and it, it just sort of changed the dynamic a bit. And yeah. that dynamic in the original Dawn of the Dead is what sort of carried through to things like The Walking Dead. Totally, where, totally. Where it was more of a focus on the, the human, what, what, how the humans are interacting with each other. Yeah, I used to it... love The Walking Dead. I mean, The Walking Dead was great. At the moment, I just can't watch it because it's just, it's like it's run its course now. It's, it's you know, some things need to go away. Yeah, it's, it's fallen foul of that. I've, I've moaned about it on here before, but this whole thing, <laughs> it's kind of like the American concept of seasons. So it's not like yeah. a series where it's, you know, series one and maybe you plan a series two, maybe even a series three. It's just, oh, let's just renew this show. every yeah. As long as it remains popular, it's just going to run forever. Well, and it, yeah. they just invariably end up not you know the, it's got to come to a point where it's run out of steam which is where the walking dead's got exactly. to exactly and the, yeah and there's no progress with it now it's stuck yeah. in a rut you can't go anywhere with it they've done the whole thing with the saviors and the, the whisperers and all that it's like you can't do that anymore because it's just the same old same old story being rehashed yeah and so it just doesn't work and it, you know they've not progressed the zombies at all which we'll get into a bit more when we're moving down this list of George Romero films. You know, the zombies never changed in The Walking Dead. And that's like, yeah. what a missed opportunity that was. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And, and, and I suppose, yeah, I'd rather, 
because obviously, I mean, it's incredible, really, from that one film, the original Night of the Living Dead, you've spawned you know, 50 years of this kind of completely pervasive kind of genre. So, so obviously, yeah. I play a lot of video games. You've got things like Resident yeah. Evil, which is yes. another take on the zombie thing. And then one I've been, we did a show on it earlier in this um, series, in series of Dark Matter, was The Last of Us. And that's yeah. doing the old, so that's doing like fungal spore cordyceps zombies that yeah. have got all this kind of sprouting stuff coming. That's brilliant. So there's yeah, so much yeah. you can do with it. There's still scope for originality in the in the genre, I think. But, well, uh, yeah. I mean, it's like, if you watch the George Romero zombie films, uh, in Dawn of the Dead, we're establishing the sort of takeover of the world and you know the effect it's having on people and then you go to day of the dead which is a i mean day of the dead should have been more than it was because mm. um, the george romero wrote a script called dead reckoning which was supposed to have been day of the dead um, but they didn't have the budget or the effects to be able to pull it off um, dead Re- dead reckoning eventually became land of the dead but so day of the dead was sort of a stopgap between dawn and land now with Day of the Dead, you know, they're stuck underground. You know, the world's been completely taken over. Um, but you get the first seeds of uh, the zombies starting to gain a little intelligence with the very lovable Bob. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Bob, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Really funny. They sort of train him. They've got him on like a chain and they're, the, yeah. the, the doctor's kind of training him how to behave by giving him like mm. meaty treats if he, <laughs> if he does the right thing. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. But it was, it was um, a way of sort of planting that seed of the zombies starting to evolve a little and when you get onto land of the dead that one of the zombies is actually starting to lead the others around and oh, yeah. growling at them to make them do things it's like so th- there's a progression there with the actual zombies themselves they're actually evolving and changing and i i just think if the walking dead had done that that, that- could have been something really special but they just didn't. They, yeah, they sort of kept in the constraints. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Day of the Dead, I hadn't seen until this week, watching it on whenever it was, Thursday night. I thought, it's kind of, it's what, the tone of these films is interesting to me. So I'd kind of forgotten, but so Night of the Living Dead is played, is, is a serious movie, I, I would say. Yeah. You know, it's sort of quite old-fashioned orchestral swelling soundtrack and, you know, played as a scary movie and, you know, yeah, kind of sad right. sad ending as well. Bad, bad things happening to lots of its characters. Whereas Dawn of the Dead, particularly the soundtrack, it, it, it's a bit, it starts to get into the territory of kind of dark comedy, doesn't it? You've got all the sort of, as you say, the antics in the mall and enjoying themselves with all the free, yeah. free consumer crap. And then any, well, and the I soundtrack's mean, like more music, you know, it's like, it's kind of, yeah. kind of funny. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like if there is a documentary on uh, somewhere out on YouTube called Document of the Dead, which is a, a film crew are following like a, uh, it was a group of students who are following George Romero around, sort of trying to make a profile of him. And he's filming Dawn of the Dead at the time. So you get this wonderful look into sort of what it was like on the set. And a lot of them, he, he allowed people like Tom Savini to, to come up with new and interesting ways of uh killing zombies and all that so he allowed them a lot of sort of creative freedom um so that's why there's sort of a sense of fun about that film especially when the bikers invade you know and they're sticking pies in the face yeah they're splatting pies (laughs) into the zombies faces for a laugh like the bikers are not afraid of the zombies at all yeah yeah, but it seems like you say that sense that everyone not just that the film is 
fun to watch, but it feels like the people acting in the film are having a, a, like a proper laugh. Yeah, and they really will. Yeah. And, yeah. and the, the first pie that gets pushed into a zombie's face, that's the kid who was one of the student who was doing this documentary about Brilliant. George Romero. So he got to be in the film as well. So he's like, he's like awesome. yeah, do, you, do you want to be a zombie? He's like, yeah, okay. So send them to Tom Savini. He'd make them all up and then he'd find a scene for them to it be is, in. His zombie so, factory. The, the, yeah. That was just, I, and again, I think it probably was intentional, but it is, there's some quite hilarious bits in Day of the Dead. Like the guy, yeah. um, I forget the actor's name, but the, the, the so Day of the Dead does that thing. And all these are like established tropes that, you know, Ramiro kind yeah. of invented. But you've got your small band of survivors and they're holed up to escape from the, to keep out, you know, away from the zombie hordes. But then there's tensions in the group. And in yeah. simple terms, it's some some scientists who are trying to sort of solve the zombie problem yeah. with yeah. some military people who are supposed to be looking after them, but they're getting increasingly pissed off with, you know, these goddamn eggheads, they ain't, you know, you got nothing for us. Why are we going to... And the bloke who plays the captain of the, the soldiers... Yeah, Joe Pilato, his name is. Yeah. It's such a like his performance is very, very over the top in a brilliant way. He's very yeah. unwatchable, but he's just he comes across. <laughs> he's like the worst soldier ever. He comes across <laughs> as like a complete. He's just had a complete breakdown, and he's he's sort yeah. of really intense. And you know, yeah. I'll shoot you all if you don't do what I say. I just yeah. could, could have watched him all day. It's it's really brilliant that he gets torn apart the way he does right at the end. <laughs> he does. Where yeah. it, they they pull his legs away, and he's been he's his innards are all over the floor and they're just like, <laughs> they're going, choke on him! <laughs> yeah, he's still sort of like defiant yeah. to the end, even though yeah, he's literally right. lost his entire bottom yeah. half. Right to his last breath, he's still this aggressive uh, person that can never admit defeat, so it's like, yeah, he's, he's funny, a great though. character. Yeah. And he gets uh, Bob, sh- Bob, who they've taught to shoot a gun, shoots him yeah. and uh, he yeah. gives him like a sarcastic salute, doesn't he? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Sarcastic zombie yeah. salute. That's I just thought that was great, yeah. So, so, yeah, so Day of the Dead was very good at sort of establishing maybe the next phase in the zombie evolution. And then we had to wait 20 years for the next yeah. one. Yeah, which was Land of the Dead. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, yeah. Am I, have I misremembered this? Is Land of the Dead the one that's got Dennis Hopper in? Yes, that's the one. Uh, that's that, and yeah. I love Dennis Hopper, so that was a reason. Yeah. I think I went and saw it at the cinema. I remember being a little bit disappointed with Land of the Dead. Like it was this, you know, the big return of the master, and it was George Romero's yeah. comeback. For I just maybe I just had seen too many other zombie films by that point. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And it's all yeah. it lost its. But I, I remember not being. Again, it's not a bad film, but it wasn't. It didn't blow me away. Yeah, maybe. Um, well, I was a bit the same, but then my expectations were so high they could yeah. never have been sort of uh, measured up to. It is worth repeated viewings. Okay. Again, like Dawn, it has layers that you have to sort of um, peel away with repeated viewing. It took me a few goes to really sort of enjoy Land of the Dead. And for me, the evolution of the zombies, where you've got this, this one called Big Daddy, I think his name is, is actually growling at the other zombies and sort of getting them to come together and take yeah. over this um, this walled city that everybody's living in. Yeah, they've got like an electrified fence or whatever That's it is, it, haven't they? Yeah. They, they keep the zombies out. But Yeah. Um, but I think it was, a lot of it was just, it, you know, how can you, possibly live up to it after 20, a 20 year absence yeah um i've got the director's cut of it as well which is um even longer um and there's some interesting 
elements to it. It's just like, you know, you've got the guy with the burnt face who's a really good uh, marksman. Um, yeah, I like it. Yeah, um, it's, I'll have um, to, I, I didn't rewatch the latter, well, of the latter three, so Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead, Survival of the Dead, yeah. I'd, I'd seen Land and Diary a while ago. At Diary, I literally can't remember anything about it other than I think it was trying to get on the sort of shaky cam found footage bandwagon, which yeah, it's is not, fine. It's not, it's, but... Yeah, it's, it's just not very good. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like, Survival yeah. of the Dead was kind of quite fun. I, I yeah. sort of quite enjoyed that, watching that last night with the two feuding Irish blokes, which yeah. was a bit unexpected and weird. Yeah, it's, 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 it is a bit of a curveball, Survival of the Dead. It's like, because you, I would have thought that sort of after Land of the Dead, that sort of would have been it. That yeah. Been the end of it. So it's like, to get like two sort of extra ones, it's like, when I first saw Survival, I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> Just a weird little what, kind what of anomaly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then you, you watch it a few times and it's kind of like, yeah, it's harmless enough. It's not breaking any barriers but you know no. it's, it's and it was sort of Romero's last uh, zombie film so you know I, you got I, to exactly yeah it's almost like an like a lap of honor kind of thing and I, I yeah, did quite exactly. like the idea that it it was exploring this idea that on some remote island I think it's called Plum Island there's there's two old Irish fellas who hate each other's guts basically yeah. and we will see those guts before the end of, you know before the end <laughs> of the movie and then I think one of them kind of wins and ousts the other one yeah, that's um, right. the the other one being played by the bloke who played Windham Earl in Twin Peaks, which was a bit <laughs> of a bonus because I yeah. love that show. Um, and the guy, so the guy who retains control of the island, he's decided, no, I'm not going to kill zombies by shooting them in the head, burning the corpses. I'm yeah. going to keep them and sort of chain them up in the hope that yeah. there's a cure in the future. Which in in some ways, you, maybe you would do that. Like a, yeah. everyone in, in zombie movies is always a bit quick to resort to, you know, just getting rid of the zombies. Mm. Maybe there is an argument for wouldn't you want to keep them around just in case you could you could bring him back? So he's got yeah. like a, the postman is chained up to the post box and he just keeps doing an endless loop, putting envelopes yeah. in, taking him out again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's an interesting. And um, they actually sort of they were trying to persuade the zombies to eat animals instead of humans as well. Yeah. And sort of right at the end, the zombies suddenly eat one of the horses. So it's, it's kind of like they were looking at that as a possible solution uh, solution to feed them animals rather than have them prey on humans. So that was the other thing I took away from that. But like I say, it's an inoffensive film. It's just not groundbreaking, you know. Yeah. Um, it's it, just one of those things you could... You'd, watch if there was nothing else on the telly you know <laughs> and by this point you've kind of had you know uh, i suppose i'd argue there's been better definitely better zombie film. like there's a film a spanish film called wreck that got remade as a film called quarantine but the yeah. original ones but you, you, if you've seen that that is i think that's fantastic like as a zombie yeah. film that's one of the best and, um, um, there's korean films like train to busan as well yes phenomenal it's, I love that. It's phenomenal. It's brilliant. We watched. It's funny that I watched that quite recently, and me, um, yeah. my little sisters. I've got twin sisters who are much younger than I am, and they're quite horror fans, which is potentially <laughs> my, potentially my fault. And they really like that film as well. Yeah, 
Um, so, so yeah, it's sort of like compared to some of the real high points of the genre and the Walking Dead series, you know, mm. Survival of the Dead isn't isn't breaking any new ground. Um, and no. we've and of course we've even had parodies and comedies and Shaun of the Dead and all that kind of stuff, you know. So yeah, but I, I, yeah, and I'm a big fan of Shaun of the Dead. I think it's great. Um, and I know that the um, that Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright actually gave. Um, George Romero, a private screening of that before it was released to make sure it had a stamp of approval. They were like, oh, that's pretty we're, cool. We're not putting this film out unless George likes it. And apparently George loved it. And he actually had them have a cameo in Land of the Dead as well. So it's just the, a case of whether or not you can spot them in Land of the Dead. Oh, uh, that's interesting. <laughs> There's some good, like, I think Romero's been had a cameo as a zombie in at least one of the films, if not yeah. probably several. And there's, yeah. I, I was, when I was looking at, you know, like the cast of, of, looking at the original one, there's one with, there's a bloke called Bill Hinsman, and he was zombie number one in Night of the Living Dead. That's yeah. quite nice. The original, yeah. Yeah, the original, you know, the one in the graveyard, and he's kind of yeah. like a bit, yeah. imagine yeah. being the original zombie, the first yeah. ever zombie. But, yeah, the one that started it all. Yeah, patient <laughs> yeah. zero kind of thing. I wonder what Bill Hinsman got up to. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna look him up. He wasn't. He oh, passed yeah, away in 2012. Right, but uh, he was Samuel William Hinsman, born in October on October 24th, 1936. Passed away February the 5th, 2012. Was an American actor and film director. First role was ah. a cemetery zombie in Night of the Living Dead. Reprised the role in new scenes that were filmed for the 30th anniversary edition of the film. Was in various other. Stuff. Oh, and then his final role was in River of Darkness, where he played a lead role alongside Kurt Angle and Kevin Nash. <laughs> right. That goes back to what we were talking, talking about before we started recording. <laughs> Such a weird coincidence. Yeah. For the benefit of the uh, of the listeners, we were talking about wrestling before we started. And uh, there you go. We've come full circle from wrestling that? to zombies back to wrestling again. That's so weird. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so yeah so so as far as the the living dead films that you know he really did set the bar and set it very high um yes his sort of influence may have tapered off in his last few films but you can't deny that you know totally. Night of the living dead dawn of the dead and day of the dead are a master class of zombie films so you know and there wasn't just that he did other films as well one of my favourites, which is, I'm going to wave this cover around for those of the benefit of those that, that can see me, but I have a signed copy of Creepshow here. Oh, that look at that. <laughs> Brian, happy birthday. There it is. There's his signature. G.A. Yeah. Ramiro. That's, that, is, that is ace. That, I mean, Creepshow it was like the perfect storm of my favourite film director and my favourite writer coming together. George Romero, Stephen King, and pff, they came up with the... Uh, uh, creep show which is uh, still around today on uh, i think it's is it shudder i think they've got a series on shudder of creep show which is really really quite good oh okay. see, I, see i didn't i just assumed well so confession time to my shame i have never <laughs> seen creep show so liam the, who's my usual co-host um he is a massive fan of it and we've covered stephen yeah. king already on this podcast because yeah. he's yes. well we're both big Stephen King fans but particularly Liam but yeah I've just never I've never watched any of the creep show stuff which is quite a shameful gap in my repertoire <laughs> but and so until I hadn't even realized until literally googling stuff before recording with you 
I hadn't put the two and two together that it was Stephen King and George Romero who made it. Like I hadn't even had that realization. That is, it's like a dream team, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. And they were they were very very good friends, and they they came up with this um, concept of doing because they both like the old um, was it the DC comics or the the old comic books anyway of horror, um, and they wanted to do something that sort of represented uh, those old comic books that they were both big fans of. Brilliant. So Stephen King wrote some short stories, like in script form, and him and George Romero just came together and uh, and put together this package of uh, I can't remember how many stories it is, five or six, I can't remember. And it is very very comic booky to watch it, um, you know, in the way that it's framed and all this. And Stephen King's actually in it as well. He plays a character called Geordie Verrill, who discovers a meteorite falls into his garden. He's playing this sort of southern hick that sort of touches this meteorite, and he ends up with this uh, green sort of grass growing on his hand. Yeah. And it eventually sort of takes over. It's all growing on him, and it's you know it's all over his face, and he he very very slowly turns into this giant plant thing and blows his head off with a shotgun at the end of the story. A um, lovely happy ending, as you would expect. Yeah, yeah. As you would expect, you would expect yeah. from Stephen King. But there's some great actors in that as well. Leslie, Leslie Nielsen is in it as well. Who, Brilliant. Uh, Didn't know that. Bad guy. Yeah, he plays a bad what? guy. What? <laughs> so, like, so obviously I love Leslie Nielsen, as does anyone who's, yeah, I suppose, of a certain age and has seen, yeah. seen the Naked Gun films and the Airplane films. But I've only yeah. ever seen him in daft spoof things yeah like, i've well, never he, seen him play any other type of part so all right, well, yeah he plays good. a he plays a bad guy in that there's a story called um oh flipping heck something to tide you over it's called. okay all right. he he plays a rich guy who discovers that his wife is sleeping with this other guy so he kidnaps the guy takes him down to his private beach and buries him in the sand up to his neck oh. and he buries him below the um, the tide line, oh, the sea's slowly coming in, and he's buried his missus further down the beach. And he sets up a little television so they can sort of watch each other drown. In and slowly th- drowning as the tide comes in. <laughs> oh my and God. this, this being George Romero and Stephen King together, they come back as these sort of waterlogged zombies oh. to get Leslie Nielsen. It's, it's just, it's a. There's I'll have to really, watch that. That you're sounds. You're gonna have to. That it's sounds, fantastic. That really, and there's a great one. If if you're not a fan of creepy crawlies, there's a the very very last story has a <clears throat> E.G. Marshall in it playing this guy who's like a clean freak. He lives in this perfect penthouse apartment. It's like all white and perfectly clean, and he starts getting invaded by cockroaches. Oh, <laughs> and as no. the story goes on, there's more and more cockroaches appearing, and he's freaking out, and it's. I won't spoil the ending for you, but it's... Uh... Oh, no, that would get me, that one. I have a thing. It's not it's not specifically cockroaches, but it's more that thing of, like, um, uncleanliness is, yeah, is a bit of... Yeah. So, like, I had... Uh, probably mentioned this before on this show because it always comes up, particularly when we're talking about Lovecraft. Like, I um, had... I used to live in a house with my then-missus. Houses have attics. We found out <laughs> yeah. we had a hole in the roof. But the way we found out we had the hole in the roof was because a pregnant rat moved into the attic. <laughs> And we didn't obviously didn't find that out until you hear some funny noises. You go up and investigate. By which time, there's a family of rats scurrying around in the walls. 
So any so this idea of like your lovely pristine home being invaded by unwanted yeah. interlopers is quite which I guess back to zombies again is kind of similar in a yeah. way. Things yeah. things clawing in the way in from outside is, I mean, is a I, terrifying I, I, one. When I used to live on my own in uh, over in New Mills, which is sort of the, about fifteen miles down the road from here, um, I got in, invaded by ants. And oh, it was no. like, you just sort of see a few of them sort of crawling about and you just, I thought nothing of it. And I opened a can of like full sugar Dr. Pepper, which I used to drink full sugar drinks at the time because I was a lot thinner and a lot younger. But um, I'd, I'd open my can and I put it on the side and I just sort of lay back in my reclining chair. And I thought, oh, I'll have half an hour's kip, you know. And oh, no. I just, I, I, I opened my eyes and the can was... I'm not kidding here. It was covered in ants crawling up the <sighs> up the leg of the table, and they were just covering the can. And I was like, "Oh God!" So I had to sort of scoop this thing up, and it was crawling with these beasts, and I had to just sort of hurl it out the back door. <laughs> and, and the thing is, so, like, you have a bad experience like this, and you, you know, we're not. I'm not suggesting that either of us particularly enjoyed these experiences we've recounted, no. but equally, at the same time, there is a little, little bit, it was like, oh, I'll, remember, oh, I'll make a note of that. That's a good one for a future, you know what I mean, a future writing project. Yeah, exactly. It's just that that feeling of looking at it and, it, and just going, uh, what the hell is that? Yeah, you know, and it's it's just like it was just this moving mass of horror, and it's like, oh, oh that's, that is a, that <laughs> so is... I had to go out and get some ant powder, and you know, get this spray, and you know, just keep and trying as the, to kill the, them off. There's a thing, just um, uh, sorry to, to completely digress briefly, but there was a thing on the news no, yesterday, yesterday the day before. <laughs> there's a, so I guess it, my point is. If you have enough of any creature, regardless of what creature it is, they cease to be pleasant. So it's yeah. in Australia, <laughs> there's like a mouse plague going on yeah. in a corner of whichever Queensland or wherever it is, where there's like root big yeah. farms that because of the bumper crop or whatever the explanation is, yeah. the whole place is just overrun with mice. So there's like video <laughs> footage doing the rounds on YouTube of people just hundreds of mice in their house or running around and running across the road. And like, mice are cute, right? I like mice, but I don't yeah. think I would fancy sharing my front room with 500 of them. No. I remember a few years ago when we had a sort of a plague of ladybirds. Which, I think I remember that. I think yeah. I remember that being on the news. Yeah, and it was like, ladybirds are small and cute and, you know. Oh, no. But you wouldn't want 50 you... of them on your face. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Or if you're opening your front door and they're just covering the front door, you know, it was... It was I remember that quite well. I was living out in Whaley Bridge then, which is Weird. sort of semi-rural. So, um, so the ladybird population just exploded. Um, we had flying ants here not uh, about five or six years ago yeah. at the front of our house. We we accidentally disturbed a nest of flying ants. Oh, they just, just sort of erupted from the ground, you know, and then went in all directions. Endless inspiration. Like going, Where are those ants coming from? And it's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> they were here. Yeah, the, 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 someone else did it. Uh, well, as a, as a bit of a segue, I guess, uh, back into, you know, speaking of infestations of unpleasant creatures, um, I, I wondered, uh, wanted to ask you, I guess, if, so having established that you, your love of the George Romero zombie movies and particularly Dawn of the Dead, how, other than in the titling, how have those in, sort of inspired you in your own writing? Um, I think when I, well, when I wrote Dawn of the Spiders, I know you said Dawn of the Dead, then. when I wrote Dawn of the Spiders, it was like, it was just about almost like recreating a monster movie. 
that you know I used to love these old sort of rubbish B movies. Yeah. Years ago, there's a particular one called The Giant Spider Invasion. If you can find it, it is. It's, okay. And okay. I, probably, I, I said this in another interview the other day, but it's the only film that actually delivers on its title because they actually deliver a giant spider. Now it's a great big. It was a great big, huge. Like, it looked like a big turd with eyes stuck on it <laughs> and pipe cleaners this big <laughs> stuck in it. It looks silly, but it's an actual giant spider. And I just, I love these films. I mean, it's like. So those kind of things had a very heavy influence on this kind of stuff I was writing. It's almost like I was trying to recreate them in book form. Um, and so it was, um, as I was sort of moving on and writing something, The Day of the Spiders, which is more of a, um, a more expansive book, I was focusing more on the people and the characters rather than the monster. So yeah, it, was, okay, uh, okay. it was sort of making that transition from just to- writing about the, the creatures and the, the people being a secondary um, concern to the, to the people being sort of more front and centre. Yeah. And that... sort of outbreak of whatever's going on being, you know, just something that's happening to them rather than us focusing on that happening and then, you know, totally makes about sense. the people on a, on a sort of secondary. So that sort of transition of, of style into character based over the main monster has sort of stuck with me ever since then. So the stuff I'm writing is is very very sort of character heavy, and the yes. sort of nastiness that happens to them it becomes sort of more. It's almost like the um, the horror the horrible uh, you know backdrop, whether it's a creature or a plague of creatures or you know yeah. something even more weird like you know the the, the mist or whatever it is. That yeah. is not the, the story. Well, you you could write a story about that, but you could write a story where that's almost the setting. And the story yeah. is about the people and how they react and what they do. Yeah, I think exactly. the latter is, you know, it is going to be ultimately, I think, more interesting because, yeah. in, a, in a big, in a way, that's what we that's what we want from our stories, isn't it? We're interested in the characters, there, how we can relate to them or not relate to them, the ones yeah. we like, the ones we hate. You, yeah. You'd probably get I'm trying to imagine a, an entire book that was solely about a, a creature. You know, yeah. it would have to be. It almost be, you know. I did read a horror story recently by someone we've had on as a guest that is about that it's a bit like you know the thing. Um, so obviously John Carpenter's outer space shape shifting creation. He's written a book that's almost like from the perspective of the thing, which is, <laughs> which is a brilliant. That's a cool idea. So I suppose it can be done. But even then, yeah. it's still a character centric book, and there's human yeah, characters. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah. But it, that it, makes it, a lot of sense. Yeah, it, I mean, it's like if you've got a character in there that you can sort of relate to, then it sort of pulls you in. It's like when I was reading um, Rabbit Hole. Now, Rabbit hey, Hole... thank you for doing that, by the way. You're very sweet. I, I love that book. It's, it's, um, it's fabulous. It's one of those things that, you know, <laughs> that the character is so, um, it's so almost relatable and likable that it, the, the whole idea of that book where she's uh, trying to solve this sort of unsolved mystery... I was just hooked on it. It just went. Like oh, that. that's very kind of you, Brian. You're very, so, you're very kind. Well, you know, credit where credit's due. Your characters are interesting enough to sort of pull you straight into the story. Um, and Rabbit Hole is one of those sort of stories that um, I have to almost ration 
otherwise I sit and read it all and I and I like to ration books you know yeah I like totally to, totally agree with that take you, my time with them because so, so. otherwise you, you are enjoying it and therefore you're motivated to read more and read more and it's 3am and you're oh god I'm at work in the morning I probably should have gone to bed <laughs> and then and then you end up with a kind of like you've read it half asleep and knackered and it so yeah you've got to try it but it is like rationing because if you're anything yeah. like me you've got no self-control like I, my big Achilles heel is video games I play a lot of video games obviously all horrible <laughs> yeah. dark horror ones yeah, exclusively yeah. I've been playing a game called Darkwood this past week which is oh, right, you know, like, yeah. a, like a real low budget sort of top-down viewed yeah kind of yeah. thing but it's a bit like Hotline Miami meets the Blair Witch Project. So it's like <laughs> spend all day scavenging up like wood and nails and stuff. And then you barricade yourself in. It's a bit like Night of the Living Dead. And then yeah. you survive the night while there's things trying to get in and beating them. And I just can't, it's just so addictive. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm having to, no, Dave, you need to turn this off, tear yourself away <laughs> from the console. You've got work in the morning. Yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I know what you mean. I bought Mortal Kombat. The new Mortal Kombat recently. Um, it was just after Christmas, actually. Um, um, I got given a few quid for a new game, so I I bought Mortal Kombat. I've not played a Mortal Kombat since um, the PS3 was around. Yeah, I okay, thought, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll have a go at this, and so I, I downloaded this thing. And I normally want me and my wife sit and watch a like a film together in the evening. So you know, it's like so I'm not on my computer like, all bloody night. Um, and I have to sort of go and sort of chill out, force myself to relax. Once we've watched something, um, she she would go through a social media and all that, and I'll sit and play games. So I got into playing Mortal Kombat, and I've just been unable to sort of put it down. Yeah, high, highly addictive. There's yeah. the, the sort of brutal uh, bone crunching moves. So, you know, very yeah. satisfying. But you find yourself yes, like wincing. You're playing it like oh. Yeah, yeah. But then there's the other side of me that's going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'll teach you. I think there's, I think so there's I a new, um, there's a movie, they're doing another Mortal Kombat movie, yeah, would you believe? Yeah. But there's a I trailer the, doing I, their own. Yeah, but... I saw the trailer. I was quite impressed by it, actually. You know, I, quite, I enjoyed Kano at the end. You know, he's just like pulled someone's heart out and he's like, you, Kano wins, you bloody beauty. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> that's a really good impression actually <laughs> so, yeah I mean they didn't I can't believe they didn't come knocking to cast me as him but no, suddenly they know, hired some like, muscle bound know, handsome guy instead exactly. <laughs> why would they do that I know he's a villain <laughs> anyway yeah there's a lot of good stuff around actually that I'm looking for have you, are you into sort of Godzilla and all that sort of stuff maybe not not necessarily so much so I, it's, hard to, it's hard to explain like what bits of you know the Venn diagram of what bits of dark fiction I'm like less into and others but yeah I, yeah I am not a big so you were talking about like B movies before so yeah. I, I I love like a B movie you know, cheesy, bad special effects or over the top yeah. kind of slightly badly acted all that stuff's great <laughs> But as soon as the villain of said B movie is gigantic, I'm, I'm less interested. I don't know why. I'm just less bothered. It's a bit like, like Jurassic Park was great because of the raptors, not yeah. not necessarily because of the T Rex. Right. So so you like, you're like the smaller monster. I don't know why. I think I like human <laughs> scale monsters. This is a realization I've just had about myself. So thank you for this insight. <laughs> I don't know well, why. Yeah. Well, well, maybe it's because, you know, you would have a chance against a human sized monster. I don't know. I don't know if I would or not. Well, you could run. That's true. That is <laughs> I know true. That you like running. So I definitely would. <laughs> 
I'm a bit knackered on that front. I can't run very far, you know. You just <laughs> have to old. stand your ground, but um, I'd have to do that sort of beat your chest and try and look as scary as possible. You could know? work. Um, could work. Uh, it'd probably just slice my head off, wouldn't it? <laughs> but, but, but of course, talk about video games. There's a lot, you know, the zombie genre, the zombie thing that George Romero created has completely permeated the world of video games as well. You know, yeah, talking talk yeah. about your, um, you know, your signed uh, Creepshow DVD. This here is a signed Silent Hill soundtrack music ah, tour poster. So the guy, Akira Yamaoka, did a show in London. I got a signed poster, right. which because right. Silent Hill is my favourite thing in the world. But of course, Silent Hill exists because Resident Evil existed. Yeah, so it was yeah, Konami's right. attempt to get on the Capcom's bandwagon. And Resident yeah. Evil is a full-blown zombie you know, Night of the Living Dead tribute game in many ways. Yeah. It's, you and you've got the sort of um, the Call of Duty zombies thing. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're bloody good fun to play. Yeah, um, I've never played one, actually. But uh, yeah. Know, oh, I tell you what, John, you need to get one of those. And um, the last sort of, uh, there's, there's one called Call of Duty World War Two that has a zombies. Um, sort of side spin-off. Yeah, yeah. It is brilliant. Okay, okay. Really, really good. And you can get some quite interesting weapons and stuff. There's sort of little quests in it as well. So there's things you can do, or you can just try and survive as long as you can. There's yeah, one that's sort of set, in, set in a house, and there's n- barely anywhere to run to. you just got this sort of little circuit, and you've got zombies coming in the window that are coming through the floors. And, and they are just viscerally yeah. scary as well. Zombies yeah. are... That one of the reasons zombies are so long running and such an established part of kind of modern pop culture is because they're dead scary. Yeah. And I think it, you know you've got the horror of a person who you might have used to. Oh, there's old Mrs. Smith from the post office. <laughs> you know, like that's horrible, isn't it? But even if they're just anonymous, you know, strangers, there is just a thing about a human that is not behaving like a human, sort of you know clawing at you in a cannibalistic, yeah. you know, reduced to their base instincts. That, the, yeah. the zombie is a brill- like a brilliant, terrifying, quite unique sort of invention. What, what did you think of um, World War Z? I liked World War Z. Yeah. Um, I liked when the zombies made a big pile of zombies to get over yeah. a wall. <laughs> I thought yes. that was quite yeah. original of them. And I liked that yeah. Peter Capaldi was in it. Yeah. Um, and do you yeah. know what? He was... He was cast as Doctor Who just as that film came out but it was a massive secret right and his character if you look on IMDB his character is described as WHO doctor so it almost there was a subliminal clue a, yeah a world health organization doctor <laughs> yeah. that's true actually yeah who doctor that's, cool. that's pretty it was, funny it was just before he became Doctor Who but um, I saw World War Z at the cinema and I was like oh it needed to be just a little bit more, and then they brought out an uncut version, which oh, was so a whole lot more bloody. They put they CGI'd all the blood out. You see, so I didn't and, actually know that. So this was another one that's fallen victim yeah. of blooming interference and editing, and you know, well, okay. they wanted to reduce the certificate for when it was in the cinema to a twelve. I hate that. So that more people could. I know. It does like my it. head in that. It's because I'm not saying I'm not suggesting that you have to have all the blood guts and you know everything has to be an eighteen certificate, but it. Yeah, every, yeah, everything yeah. should horror, be. Yeah, you're probably right, <laughs> but also, it, well, everything just should be what it is. Like, yeah. you want you make a film, you make you're telling a story. This is the story. This is the certificate that it attracts. Yeah, right. not 
oh, well, it should be this certificate, but we now we're going to edit it to squeeze it in under a yeah. threshold so we can get more people in. Because it'll just, yeah. it's not going to make it good, is it? Nothing's ever benefited no. from being edited no. in that way. And when I first saw World War Z, I thought it was too sterile. Interesting. Clean. Oh, I'll have to try and the, the, dig the, out the... Yeah, there's an uncut version with all the blood and guts put back in. It's not massive amounts of blood and guts, but it's enough just to lift it. Yeah, so it and doesn't... Like the bit where the girl gets, the soldier gets bitten, the female soldier and he hacks off her hand and there's no blood well in the uncut version there's loads it's all of over the place that's <laughs> yeah. interesting and, and the fact that they can cgi it out is kind of simultaneously yeah. impressive and annoying isn't it <laughs> if you see what i mean yeah um, and sort of um is is another um there's a there's a film coming out soon on netflix called army of the dead which is directed by Zack snyder again interesting uh, so and i've seen the trailers for that and that looks that looks pretty epic which okay. Another, it's another zombie film, but there's there's a, a particular shot where you can see all these zombies, and they're all like packed in really, really tight because there's so many of them. They're just like this moving mass of bodies. You know, it looks pretty good. It's got um, Dave Batista in it. Out of oh, another, another wrestling connection, of course. But yeah, I do like yeah. Batista. I think he's yeah. Blade, his performance, his relatively brief performance in Blade Runner 2049, proves that he's <laughs> he's a legitimately good actor. But um, yeah, I think bless him. So. And he's great in Guardians of the Galaxy as well. He is, yeah. Really yeah, funny and likeable. But yeah. I was trying to think if there's any other... Yeah, he does exactly. He does all that. He gets the comedy timing. Perfect in that film. I'm trying to think if there's any other zombie-related genre things worth mentioning. I feel like I have one more. Let me consult my notes. <laughs> um, oh, it was um, 28 Days Later. That is, uh, that's a belter, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, is it a I, great I, zombie I film? It. Big debate there on whether or not this is actually a zombie film. Yes. Some people say, well, they're not really zombies, they're infected. I say, bullshit, it's a zombie film. It's the same. <laughs> as, as, as soon as you've got um, humans who've lost control of their faculties yeah. and have a bloodthirsty urge to kill other humans, that, it's, it that's counts. a zombie film, in it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, it's close enough for me. Yeah. And I love 28 Days Later. It's, it's brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. yeah, really. And it's scary. That one, we're back to like a played not for laughs deadly serious yeah. there's that element of you know the humans are the real monsters but also the yeah. monsters are still blooming terrifying a real threat <laughs> yeah um, yeah that's it that's a, that i would recommend that one to anyone who's looking to you know gorge themselves on more zombie movies and hasn't seen <laughs> that one yet yeah yeah i love that one and um the fact that it's set in england as well is yes a, a very very interesting departure so you see sort of the streets of london deserted and all that which has been so it's like having it british as well is, is a nice a nice thing absolutely <laughs> absolutely right um well brian um is there any other aspect of the george ramiro zombie uh living dead franchise for want of a better phrase that we have not covered that you would wish to uh, add to your pitch Oh, goodness me. Well, listen, he is the godfather. When it comes to zombie films, when it comes to the idea of zombies roaming around, uh, biting people, tearing them to pieces, this guy defined the genre. Yeah. Granted, the later films weren't as good, but Night of the Living Dead and especially Dawn of the Dead yeah. um, were the ones that really sort of set the bar day of the dead is also great i don't think it's as good as dawn but no i agree it's fu- it's it's fu- it's it's definitely worth a watch and funny yeah, but um, i i agree with you that dawn of the dead is the is yeah. the one i would say yeah i think dawn of the dead is the 
the measuring stick by which other zombie films are yes. measured against. You know, it's yeah, like totally. it's it's it is the best zombie film ever, in my humble opinion. So that's why I would like to um, commit my um, nomination for George Romero uh, joining the very exclusive Hall of Pain. Well, that I, is my uh, pitch. <laughs> thank you for your formal submission. Uh, I have considered it, uh, I've given it due consideration, and I can uh, confirm that George Romero and his zombie movies is, of course, highly welcome and will be ushered in, <laughs> you know, shuffle, shuffling in and groaning and <laughs> gnashing their teeth into a special, especially <laughs> expanded. I'm trying to, sometimes, you know, when you, Things go in the hall of pain, and you're trying to think of what what actually is the thing that goes in the cell. Like, is it just George Romero? Is it George Romero as a zombie? Is it just <laughs> is it a, a, a bunch of zombies just all packed in? Uh, I need to maybe it's maybe it's just a DVD. I'm not sure. But. Probably easier to store the DVD. Yeah, that's probably for the best. Probably less of a security risk. I'll have to spend more on um, Night Watchmen otherwise. <laughs> So yeah, honoured to welcome in George Romero, and it's given us a great opportunity to just talk about zombies in general because we well, probably it, haven't yeah. really covered that on the show unbelievably to date. I know, so, yeah. It, um, and just remember, shoot it in the head. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> this is, I recommend this to you, right? If you've nothing better to do after we finish, is if you look up, there's a, there's a sort of a singer songwriter guitar dude called Jeffrey Lewis, and right. he did a song called. Um, Oh, I need to know what that. I need to check what the actual title of the song is. But it's basically a, like a song about zombies, and the chorus is like, <laughs> "If you shoot the head, you kill the ghoul." But I'm going to close out by recommending that. Let me Absolutely, see what it's, yeah. what it's actually called. I think it is just called "If you shoot the head, you kill the ghoul," and it's just like you know, they're holding a crisis information meeting at the high school. If you shoot the head, you kill the ghoul. Brilliant. <laughs> it's like. Every zombies have permeated every aspect of media, including uh, <laughs> including music. music. Yeah, yeah. And well, it's thanks. one of the most it's one of the most common um, costumes for Halloween as well. Now, zombies. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, you, and and you can even do like the zombie thing. So it's like you could go as a zombie, but I guess there's also you get all your you know zombie cheerleaders and zombie whatever <laughs> yeah, else. But, exactly. Yeah. Just dirty up a costume, paint your face a bit green. You're a zombie. The zombie version of a thing. <laughs> Makes yeah, exactly. sense. Well, Brian, thank you so much for paying us a visit today. Hey, thank you for having me. It's um, been a, a lot of fun. Definitely. And uh, you'll be welcome back in the future if we do, a, um, for example, a wrestling-related episode. <laughs> watch this space. Absolutely, yeah. I have encyclopedic knowledge of that particular subject. Um, Zombie yeah. wrestling. Well, there is one obvious famous one, actually. But we'll, uh... yeah. there's, well, there's two that I can think of. But if, yeah, God, they, they mind that scene quite a bit. Anyway, sorry if we don't know. Um, is, where can the listeners or viewers find, if they wish to uh, follow you, seek you out, find your works, what, what are the best uh, uh, avenues to pursue? Okay, well, I am on Amazon. So if you just do a Google search of Brian O'Gorman, Dodd and the Spiders, I'm everywhere. Yeah. Um, uh, at Brian O'Gorman Author on Facebook and Instagram is the... Um, place to follow me i don't really do any other social media because i have trouble keeping up with those two yeah it's a nightmare (laughs) you just have to basically pick because it's like just you know i'm on i do a fair bit on twitter and a tiny bit on instagram and now everyone's like oh tiktok you know what i'm not i can't be bothered well well, my wife's my wife's actually doing some stuff on tiktok about me like um yesterday um i tried out 
uh, virtual reality for the first time. Brilliant. She was bloody well filming me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always Sitting an embarrassing there. sight that when and, you sort of and I, yeah, and I'm a bit. I was just sat down with it because I was watching this sort of 3D video, um, and it was sort of like floating and flying, and I'm horribly afraid of heights. Oh, so God. I just, I, I was just sort of this short clip that she posted. I'm just sort of sat there, and then I suddenly go, oh, and then I utter a, a loud swear. Word. <laughs> Not surprised. <laughs> so yeah, so I, uh, my wife's on. Uh, I think it's uh, living with an author. I think she's... Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, well, check that out if there are any TikTok users out there. That is yeah. another avenue you can uh, you can um, watch Brian, uh, yeah, experiencing yeah. his darkest <laughs> fears, I guess, by the sound of it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thanks, yeah. thanks very much once again. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a blast. And we'll, um, I will bid our listeners goodbye on that sinister note. And, uh, yeah, make <laughs> sure your windows and doors are sealed tight. And uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Thank you once again for listening. And thank you once again to Brian O'Gorman for being such a fantastic guest. Please make sure you check out all of his dark, sinister, fictional works. Uh, And I've also got one of my own to plug because I've got a new book out this month. It's called The Warden. It is written in lockdown, set in lockdown, a bit of a mix of Die Hard meets Black Mirror meets good old-fashioned detective murder mystery. So hopefully there's something in there, one of those ingredients at least, is up your street. Please check it out. It's available on Amazon if you search for The Warden or just search for me, John Richter. That's J-O-N and R-I-C-H-T-E-R. You can find all my stuff back to podcasting matters as usual we would hugely appreciate it if you would leave us a positive review or get in touch you can find us we're probably best to catch us on twitter at dark underscore matter otherwise it's been a pleasure nattering to you as usual Uh, please tune in again in a couple of weeks when we will be back with more dark and sinister waffling (laughs) don't have nightmares